Before Cindy Ramirez became the founder and CEO of Chill House, a New York City spa and wellness cafe with a modern twist, she struggled to find a job after dropping out of college. This is the story of how she used her appetite for innovation and creativity to launch her own blog and later on, a thriving business that now has Sofia Amoruso, the girl boss, sliding into her DMs and becoming her business advisor. We talk about the importance of building an online presence, no matter your industry, and her approach to attract new opportunities. Saludos, mi gente. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of El ADN. We have a very special guest with us, Cindy Ramirez, the founder of Chill House. Cindy, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Victoria. Cindy, you've described yourself as an impulsive entrepreneur in the past. Why that is? I guess I'm just impulsive because I feel like it's my only calling is to start things, to do what drives me, what really excites me. And like at a very young age, I was always like, I rebelled against anything that I didn't want to do. I was like, no, no, no. Total first child or only child syndrome. I have two half sisters on my dad's side, but I, you know, my mom raised me and I grew up kind of an only child. And it's definitely, you know, kind of made its way into my personality. And yeah, I just always felt that I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do. And those are the things that were going to motivate me to keep going and to push forward. So I guess being an entrepreneur felt like the most natural career to go down. And so it's been basically what I've known for most of my career life or like my adult life in my early 20s. Actually, it, it took me a long time to get there because I just didn't know what entrepreneurship meant and I didn't know how to even begin to start a business. So it wasn't until many years later and into my 20s, I became a bit of a serial entrepreneur. But yeah, now I'm just an entrepreneur of one thing or a business owner of one thing. And my husband's more of like the impulsive one, I guess I should say, when it comes to owning multiple businesses, he's definitely has the capacity to take on way more than I do. And that in that sense, I give him a lot of credit. But yeah, chill house is my main thing. You mentioned that you've always been this way. Can you share an anecdote of when you were little of something that you may have started from early age without you realizing that it was an actual thing and it just came natural to you? Well, a couple of things. When I was in like my early, early 20s, like 21, 22, I was like, I couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to be, of course, like I mentioned, but I knew I wanted to start a website that kind of had both the fashion and the hospitality world mixed into one. And this is prior to blogs. I mean, this was like, I, I don't even know if like, you know, Song of Style was out then or like any of these like fashion bloggers. This is pre-blogs and pre-media websites like pre-eater, pre-infatuation, all this. And I knew I wanted to create a bit of a world online that kind of spoke to women like me, both that were stylish, but also really, really loved dining and hospitality and travel and all the things that make life really exciting. Honestly, I was like, I wanted to create something. And I started this like silly little blog. It was created really poorly. It was not cute at all, but I started doing restaurant reviews, but I would do it in a really nice way. I wasn't like saying this place is awful. Don't go there. I was just really putting together a bunch of places that I love going to in like lower Manhattan. And I had like a little bit of an audience, you know, again, this is like three blogs. I don't even think people realize that that's how they could get their restaurant recommendations at the time is really word of mouth or Zagat. And yeah, so I had that going on for about like, I don't know, a little under a year. I put it on hold. And this is again, when I was like 21 or something. So this is like a very long time ago. I don't want to age myself. And then fast forward many years later, my husband, I was in kind of like a very crossroads sort of moment in my life. And I 
turned to my husband. I was like, what should I do next? What's my move here? And he was like, what about taste of style? You've let that go, but I feel like you could really bring it back. It's a really good time to pick a blog back up and really see what you could do with that and, and putting your personal style and your taste forward and that sort of thing. And so I brought it back and it, I had a, yeah, I had a little blog called taste of style. And that was like what I was mostly known for prior to launching chill house. It's just funny, you know, you come up with like a silly little idea and it actually ends up being a good idea, but maybe much later on, maybe it was too ahead of its time at the time. <laughs> I think something that you've done pretty well along the course of your journey is building an audience and then launching a product for that audience. If you were to define your ideal listener slash audience member, that persona that you want your audience to identify with, what will be that woman? Like who is the woman that you would describe as, as your audience? If it is a woman. It's definitely a woman. It's always created things that I need. Like that website, I was like, I wish it existed for me. So maybe I'll just do it for other women like me. And it's a good way for me to hold myself accountable to cover the best things that I would want to wear. I would want to put on my face, my body, you know, my skin, places I'd want to go eat and where I'd like to travel. So I did that when I was a blogger. And now I'm doing the same with Chill House through a few different ways. We launched the business as a way to have a hub, you know, where women like me can go and decompress and not feel the pressure of spending $300 on a spa service, but still come out of it feeling rejuvenated. So that's what I did with Chill House. And now we're doing that with products, I'd say, you know, thinking about what are these items that like are really missing from the world? I don't want to continue adding more clutter to your vanities and wherever you store your products. I want to create really meaningful things that excite me and I know will resonate with other women. So it's really a woman that's like super on the go. She's very in tune when it comes to what's like trending, what's cool, what's happening and wants to have the best of the best, but doesn't necessarily want to always spend top dollar for it. She appreciates luxury, but she also is very thoughtful with how she spends. She's not frivolous. All those things I think make up a really strong woman. I think really is like, that's my key demo. It's just like a really strong, smart woman who just appreciates the finer things in life, but doesn't always want to break the bank. That's kind of it. And that's always been me. No matter how much money I have in the bank, I just simply will never be the girl that like spends a ton of money on certain things. Like that's just not how I am. And so I want to always keep that in mind as I evolve, as I get older. What was I like in my 20s and my early 30s? Like who was I? And how do I continue thinking about that girl that I've nurtured? And how do I help her? That's very Latina of you. I think a lot of us young Latinas are like that. At least my mom always taught me that you don't have to spend a thousand dollars to look a thousand dollars. No es lo que tú tienes, es como lo luzcas. It's not what you have, but how you own it. Chill House was started because your husband and you were looking for a nice place to have a good massage. And I love that because I feel like oftentimes we have different business ideas, but we never actually start creating those ideas. In comparison, you and your husband saw a problem and you saw the opportunity of solving that problem for that audience. Can you tell me a little bit about how you went from just an idea to this is an idea that can actually bring us money 
it wasn't right away where I noticed this, but it was actually like years later where I realized that it was a bit of a manifestation of like my upbringing and how I grew up. Basically, my mom is an esthetician. And so I I was in that world for very long. And and she's more in like the Medispa sort of world. So like cellulite removal and laser hair removal, you know, things that were very much like maintenance versus relaxation. And at the time, I didn't really like appreciate it because I was young. I didn't need any of that stuff. I was like, whatever, mom, this is boring. (laughs) But like, that kind of stuck with me that same sort of energy and and realizing that like just in general spas were very felt very antiquated very clinical and we kind of got to work in multiple different ways between looking for the ideal space and obviously brainstorming exactly what that space would look like. What are the services that we think would make a really good impact from the get-go? And to me, it had to have a cafe element. Like I truly believe that relaxation starts with a drink in hand. Like that's the first sort of indicator to relax. And of course, it's one of the things that I really didn't like about a lot of these spas salons were that, you know, you get there and your only option was to have a glass of water with lemon or like a tea and they would just make it for you. And it was like a little like Lipton bag and it wasn't like anything exciting. Right. So I felt like there was something missing there. So the cafe was a must. And it's also like a place to kind of gather your community and kind of like welcome your neighbors, like making the spa a place that you actually congregate versus a place that you go when you're celebrating or indulging. Nails for me were a service that I would get weekly. You know, I mean, maybe that's like when I was not busy, but (laughs) there were times in my life where I would get weekly manicures. That's for damn sure. And the whole thing started with massages. So those were our three services. And I thought the three worked really well together, harmoniously together, but came with some bumps in the road, of course, along the way. And we've definitely refined the model as we've gone. So it wasn't like an overnight, like it was definitely a lot of trial and error. And I guess the beginning of it, it was very exciting because you just didn't know what to expect and how people would react. And so just kind of went for it and did our research and hope for the best and hired some good people. One thing that your career journey has shown is that you go against the grain. One of the things that I think our audience can really relate to is the fact that you dropped out of college twice because you felt like you could do better on your own and not necessarily, you know, you were already making very good money on the side. Everything makes sense now that you can connect the dots and look backwards, but I'm sure at the time it didn't feel that way. So can you share a little bit more about that? I'm very glad life turned out the way it did. And I'm not like at the end of my career path by any means, like there's a lot left to do. But I always joke that I'm very fortunate that this is my journey and that that part of my journey is actually like an important part of my story because it could have gone in a very different direction. Like I dropped out twice. I can't get a job. Things just didn't work out for me. And I ended up back at the bar, you know, bartending. That could have been my story very much so. I think at the time I was definitely, you know, having the time of my life. I worked a couple of jobs a week behind the bar or serving and I was making really good money and I was really loving that industry. And I went to school for fashion marketing, but I was also taking classes for algebra and like all these things that I wasn't interested in. I was like, okay, if I'm going to a specialized college, why am I taking these stupid classes that are just going to bring my grade average down? Right. So I would get really frustrated at the whole system. And I was always been a bit of a rebel in in that sense. Like, why do I have to learn this if it's not going to benefit what I want my interests? 
and the same could be said for the school that I went to. And I was just very frustrated at the whole thing. I just wouldn't go to class. And of course, after a certain point, they're like, well, one more strike, you're out. I was like, I'll just drop out instead. And that happened twice. At one point, I was definitely feeling a little stressed out about where I was heading in my career. And I went back to the dean. I was like, hey, listen, I'm really sorry I messed up. Can I please come back? I promise to do better. And then I think I went on like a couple of interviews for internships, which was at Valentino. And they were like, oh, you were looking for interns full time and unpaid. And are you interested? We wouldn't be able to take you on as a part time. And I was like, no, like, I'm sorry. So I declined that internship, but I got so just exhausted by the whole fashion industry in general at the time where every fancy fashion house and, you know, publication was exploiting interns and like not paying them, you know, they very well could afford it. I was a part of that system. And I just was not one of the girls that could afford to do that. And I felt like it just wasn't set up for women like me, Latinas who had to work, had to make their own way, you know, and it felt like I wasn't welcome there. Then that's when I was like, I'm done with this school. I'm done with fashion. Like, I'm not really interested in this. If I go back into fashion, it's going to be on my own terms. And so, yeah. And then I just kind of went back into hospitality for a bit and met some incredible people who kind of helped me, motivated me to really take ownership of my personality and then start connecting the dots and building a career from there. But could have gone in a very different direction. You know, if I didn't have the drive that I innately had, I probably would have ended up bartending. One of the things that I want to pick up on that you mentioned is that your career could have turned out very differently, but you didn't let it. And it's something that I think it's in the DNA of many entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs who have dropped out of college. It's nothing new. There's a lot of people who actually do that. But I think it takes a very special and specific kind of person to thrive without sort of that structure. Can you tell me a little bit about what you think is in your personality that you would say, you know what? I am this way and because I am this way, I've been able to do X, Y, and C. When I'm just really excited about something, I kind of obsess over it. And I think that's the another big common denominator with a lot of entrepreneurs, the ones that, you know, have really built great brands and, and companies is that they are like very, very adamant that what they've created is something super special. And like, you know, I wish I were more confident with every single thing that we do. I think I'm very, I'm a realist with a lot of certain things where I'm like, that's not right. Like, I don't feel like that's going to go in the right direction, even with Chill House. But when I I'm very confident in something. I'm like, you as a founder can build it however you want, right? As long as you don't have like all these investors that have expectations, we are fortunate enough to have mostly angels and friends that have invested in Chill House. So we've been able to be very creative and no one's really given us their two cents to the point where we couldn't continue doing what we were excited about. But that is like what's really fun about entrepreneurship is that you create something and then we can always create other moments inside the brand. It's not just like we have one thing and that's all we do. There are opportunities to go and do this and do that. And it always feels exciting because you're able to dream up things that you could probably do outside of your business too. You know, it's something like I've always wanted to do a partnership with, you know, this big brand. And I'm able to think about what that could look like with Chill House and I do it. I've always wanted to create this sort of product and I can probably do it, you know, with Chill House. And thinking in that capacity, I think has really allowed me to stay motivated and being able to remind myself that it's not like, you know, yes, a brand has 
has its like parameters and you kind of have to stick to certain things. As long as you're building it in a way where your community is so excited about what you're building, like you can kind of dream up a lot of stuff that you've always been excited to do. I'm just really in a way weirdly selfish. And I'm like, I just want to create things that make me happy. And if I know it's going to make me happy, they're going to be successful. You know what I mean? I'm not just doing something for the hell of it. So I think that's a personality trait that could work out for some business owners. I don't know. Because they're super, super passionate about something. You're just going to do it. It is what it is. It's going to do well because you're the one that really like drives it forward. I read that your journey really started when you decided to become an intern for Lysa and then that internship led on to a full-time job and that was the only salary job that you had in your whole life. Can you tell me a little bit about how you wanted to work for her, but it was because you wanted to also learn from her as an entrepreneur? It was hard to get jobs, right? So I was like, okay, screw it. I guess I just have to intern again, start fresh. And this is when I was 26 years old. So some time had passed since I dropped out of school and, and I was re-entering the workforce. I went on fashionista.com. I searched, this is still to the day, my favorite platform for getting really great interns. I went there and I found this really interesting opportunity to work for this woman. I don't even know if she talked about herself on the listing. It was more like this opportunity to work for an interesting firm, a consultancy. I saw it and I was like, this seems interesting because there's no clear path, right? It was very specific to two industries. So she was basically trying to bridge the gap between fashion and technology, two things that she was very passionate about. And I was like, interested in fashion. I know nothing about tech, but it seems like obviously a really great career to get into. And this is around the, you know, a few years into like the web boom, like it, like web 2.0, like that term was being tossed around for a few years prior. And then it was like around the time that had a huge fashion tech surge, but the runways, the bonobos, all of those beauty boxes and things like that. All of these really innovative companies were starting to come up to the forefront. And so every entrepreneur wanted to start the like next billion dollar tech startup. And they were looking a lot in the fashion space for like trying to like innovate in different industries. And fashion was one of them. We worked on all sorts of really fun stuff. We hosted events, consulted with different entrepreneurs that came from different backgrounds. And she was able to speak multiple languages because she came from multiple backgrounds. So I got to meet a lot of really smart awesome people and going from my background in New York City like growing up in hospitality and like being in fashion and then going to that it felt like a huge shift in my life and at the time I just I didn't realize how incredible it was to watch all of this unfold right like to be so in the mix when it came to technology and understanding how it all works and understanding that industry so well and, and watching it unfold so I learned a lot I was one of two interns and I was her first hire and she asked me what I wanted to be in the company and it was obviously it was just like three of us so I was like I want to be able to work both on the brand side so like building our brand identity our social our events our community that kind of thing our press and then on the other side I really wanted to also help with business development because I want the company to succeed like I think I want to be the brand and business development manager so development kind of allowed me to really try to propel the business forward and ask her a lot of questions and learn a lot along the way so it was like a crash course in entrepreneurship, but that it also opened my eyes to a world of opportunities when it came to technology. Can you tell me about how young women who are listening to you right now, what are some of the tips that you would give them to go out into the world and ask for what you want and get what you want? 
It's funny you say that. I've never thought of myself as the kind of person that's like super aggressive in nature. You know, I think there's this like misconception that in order to be successful, you have to be like super aggressive on email and try to get that job and get that job and push, 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 push. I think what I've done that's different is that I've genuinely just done things that feel exciting to me. And I've shared those experiences with my community through social. And I don't look at them as like strategic steps that I've made or little like strategies. It's more so finally finding your path a little bit and like going in the direction that actually makes you happy. And once those are the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, that energy brings on the next opportunity. That expression of excitement, showing how what you're doing is something that you've actually like always been meaning to do is what has opened up those opportunities for me. And that's why for so long, I had no opportunities. I wasn't sitting around and waiting for opportunities to happen because I literally knew that they weren't going to come to me. I had to find something that I really was excited about in order for that moment in my career to really open up the doors seamlessly, organically. I think it's always just been pure perception of just how I'm doing what I've been called to do. And I think that's definitely attracted more opportunities to speak on amazing podcasts, to work with the biggest brands in the world, to travel, to talk to some of the most incredible founders that have ever existed about investing in my company. Like those are opportunities that have opened themselves through a natural progression to where I wanted to head in my life. My suggestion is just really just follow those nuggets of happiness and share those moments of happiness with your community because I think happiness attracts happiness. One of the anecdotes that I love the most about your journey is that you used to be a nasty girl shopper and and Sophia slid into your DMs and, you know, it was a full circle moment that you loved her brand. She loved your brand. The universe conspired to bring you both together. When beautiful things like that happen, you know, two powerful businesswomen coming together. What was your first reaction? Because I would yeah. die if that happens to me. And then second, how you got from like that wow moment into let's get to business and make you my advisor. That's such a great question. And my God, you're like going to make me cry because it was such an emotional time in my life when, you know, when you build something that you think it's just going to be like a little space in New York and you kind of want to see where it goes. And then all of a sudden you get all this incredible traction. I mean, the third month we were open, we were partnering with Nike. My husband and I left after the event and we like went to get lunch somewhere and I just started crying. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is my life. And I think we have something really incredible that goes beyond little downtown New York City. I mean, I know we're in an incredible place in like the epicenter of the world, but it still felt like a tiny little company or idea at the time. I was legit one of the biggest Nasty Gal fans when I was like 22 years old or 21 when I was bartending and thinking of the fashion tech. And it, all of it was inspired because Sophia had this incredible site. And I was like, I would love to design it kind of like Nasty Gal. And like, she was my like inspiration when I was thinking of those little businesses, you know? And fast forward many years later, I had to society. I, I became a bit of an influencer. So I got invited to a few like cool things here and there. And I I ended up taking an invite. My friend, Alyssa Cosparelli, who worked at Refinery at the time, couldn't make the Nasty Gal or the Girl Boss, I should say, premiere. Or they were were doing like some press trip to promote the show and she couldn't make it. So she passed off the opportunity to me, which I'm like super grateful for. And so I had met Sophia like amongst like 30 other like very popular bloggers, way more famous than I am. Like I was like one of 30 and I had interviewed her 
for like a little promotional piece and she didn't remember any of that. So she didn't actually like follow me after it, like none of that. She was just like, okay, cool. Bye. Thank you for promoting my thing. She was lovely, but that's how much of a fangirl I was. I like had been following her so long. And then I was like, that is my moment. Oh my God. I got to go on a press trip and, and girl boss, like, holy shit. And I thought that was my like 360 moment with Sophia. And it was not that moment came way later. I realized she followed me at some point, maybe like, I don't know, six months into the company being launched. So I'm like, okay, interesting. But I didn't think anything of it. And she DMs me randomly after I did like an Insta story complaining about this small hearty that was like maybe six people and it canceled it like that same day and for some reason I don't know what happened maybe we didn't have the right cancellation policy in place but it really hurt business and it really really affected me and I was like very sad about it and angry and I did this whole like Instagram story saying how if you're ever thinking about doing something like this think about how it could impact like a small business and blah 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 and then she DMs me she's like I love what you're doing and I'm like of course Sophia DMs me after I complained about customers like the most taboo thing I could possibly do so she DM me and then like literally I don't know a couple of days later we were emailing and she was like do you have a business plan are you trying to raise money I want to help you raise money let's go it just opened up our eyes to a world of opportunity that we didn't know existed to us like yes I had kind of gotten a taste for that world when I worked for my fashion tech company that we we're talking about but I never thought that I could ever own a business that raised capital from these people this like VC world and I still haven't fully so we'll see what happens but it was really incredible to me that she saw so much opportunity in my brand and what I created. So we were her first investment. And now I know she's doing many more investments, but it's wild that I was her first. When we talk about venture capitalists and raising money for Chao House, I'm sure it's a whole nother different discussion, conversation. It is my understanding that you're a little bit more hands-on on the branding side and your husband is a little bit more hands-on on the finances side. So when you're coming into this meetings, how have you had to mentally prepare to be there? Because of course it is your business, it is your idea, but then do you ever feel like they have more power than you on that side of the table? I don't think of it that way. I've had so many conversations with different levels of venture in general, from private equity to actual traditional VC, small and large, like smaller, more boutique firms to like the big guys. It's always a little intimidating, but where I come in a lot of times during these conversations, it's just from a place of passion and from a place of like, this is the brand I've built, the community I've built. This is why people love us and I'm proud of it. And here's what we have going on in the future. We edit our deck constantly based on like what we're thinking of doing we have an idea and we think that this is our plan. And then like all of a sudden we have some internal conversations about it. We're like, we think actually this is going to be the direction. Again, going back to being confident in something and believing in it so much, there have been times where I have things on that deck and I'm not super confident in it and it shows and I get a little anxious and it just, the conversation just doesn't go as well as when I'm like, I'm good. Like this is it. When you're confident, that's when all the excitement starts sort of trickling in. I definitely let Adam take the lead because he's the numbers guy. And to be honest, he's like, he's the deck builder but it's really like our vision and me driving it forward from my perspective and what I think I need. And our team also has a lot of say in that as well. So it's not that I think that they have the power. It's an exchange, right? It's like, I'm giving you a piece of my business that I've worked really hard on and that I feel very strongly will quintuple in size in the near future. And that's a great opportunity and you should be excited to come on board. And quite frankly, I get very offended if some people are like, I don't know. Oh, we love what you're doing. We just need to see a little little more traction in this. And I'm like, you're missing 
<laughs> I just want to be like, quite frankly, you're missing out, but thank you is kind of what I want to say to everyone. So I love this story because it talks about women changing the narrative. And I love something that you said that it's they definitely don't have the power because if anything, you are giving them a chance to be part of the empire that you're building, right? So at the end of the day, they should feel grateful to you that you're opening those doors. And I think you don't have to have a business like you have to sort of bring that analogy back into your life. I think that happens a lot in salary conversations, for example. Chill House and yourself as your own brand, as Cindy Ramirez, both have had a lot of success clearly and a lot of amazing partnerships, deals, etc. But I want to talk a little bit about the deals that you didn't get or the partnerships that you didn't get, the opportunities that you were passed on for. So when you get excited about something and it doesn't happen for you, how do you react? How do you internalize that? How do you sort of accept it and move forward to the next A big thing? part of my story that we didn't talk about is that I was a, a child actor. So I'm used to rejection. I'm used to hearing, no, this isn't not the right opportunity. Like, thank you. That like, that's me. That's happened a lot throughout my life. And it's obviously triggering. And I always tell myself when you act like you're too dependent on an opportunity, that's when things slip away. And I've taken that, I think a little bit with me from acting from modeling anytime I was so excited about like, I was like, Oh my God, my callback. Oh my God, I'm going to get it. I'm this close. And then it just slips away. It's like, because I was so freaking thirsty for it. And this is what actors talk about all the time. They're like, I'm not going to tell you about the opportunity because I don't want to jinx it. Cause that's what it is. It's like this game of telling yourself you don't want it that much <laughs> so that you actually get it. And I think that's actually kind of what it's been for the past several years. And like, we've had some really crazy, amazing opportunities. And it's because I haven't pursued it to the point where I've scared it away. Again, if it wasn't meant to be, then that's it. It's not part of my story. It's not a chapter of my book one day. It, it is what it is. Something else will fill that page. Something else will fill that and will be the stepping stone to the next thing. It's like the opposite of manifesting. It's sort of like letting things flow and being chill about it and just letting things happen. Sounds like I'm just like, oh, whatever's meant to be will be. It's not necessarily that. Again, it's like every move, every little thing that you do is hopefully getting you to the place that you want to be, right? But it's not going for something that's so out of reach. Like baby stepping your way to your goals, I think, is a very realistic way to be. Is there a piece of advice that has stuck with you the longest it doesn't have to be about business could be about life is there a line or a phrase that is just like stuck in your head and, and you still live by it today yes there was a point in my life where when i was at that my job i didn't know if i was any good i was like this is my only job the only thing i know like am i anything am i am i worthy of more so i mentioned we worked out of we work labs and it was like an open communal workspace and so we had colleagues or people that were starting businesses like solo entrepreneurs basically working across from us left right whatever so i had this woman that would sit next to me her desk was next right next to mine and i didn't really know what she did i didn't ask her or anything like that turns out she was like the former VP of marketing at Amex. And she was like this incredible, super smart Harvard MBA woman who was starting her own company. So that's why she was there. She had been watching me and she like wrote me this really sweet email one day. And it was like, happened to hit my inbox, like when I was feeling really down. So it came at a really great time. And she's like, Hey, Cindy, I just want you to know, I pay a lot of attention as to like how you work and you like are really great at like leading these girls that work under you and like, whatever just really, really nice things that I just wasn't expecting and made me feel really good. But then she also said, 
you know, something I really think is important for me to tell you is that you should really start working on your personal brand because you just never know. At the time I was like working on third wave fashion. It was all about that company and it was all about building up somebody else's business. And I was forgetting that I could potentially be someone on my own. And that stuck with me. I was like, well, I guess if somebody thinks I have the chops to be worthy of having a personal brand, then I should kind of go for it. And so that was it. And I was like, okay, time to build up my personal brand. Here we go. And I think personal brands are so important. There's a lot of talk about personal brands when it comes to the creative industry and the media industry, but women who are engineers or women who are scientists or that are studying medicine, they don't see themselves as a brand. And I think everyone should have a personal brand regardless of your career. Can you give us, say, two tips on how to build your personal brand? Yeah, I think it's very important to identify the platform that works for you. And so I don't think personal brand equals influencer by any means, because you can have a personal brand and be strictly on LinkedIn and just post things that are super interesting to your industry. And you become sort of this like insider when it comes to a specific part of business or whatever it is your career is all about. So I think it's all about finding the platform slash medium in which you want to really have a presence. I'm good friends with that started newsletters, Substacks, things like that, Patreons. You don't have to have Instagram or be on TikTok and do stupid reels. Like, no, it's more about being able to move the needle with the people that are important to you in your specific industry and, and showing that you have a really unique perspective on that. I think it'll come naturally when you find exactly where you want to put out your voice in some way, shape or form, whether that's your voice through video, your voice through writing, that's when it will feel organic and you'll naturally gravitate to the, your platform of choice just from experimenting and, and finding the audience that you think you want to speak to. And it's like, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be entrepreneurial and have a personal brand too. There are so many people that have done a great job at that, like Michelle Lee, you know, editor-in-chief of Allure, like editor-in-chiefs are a great example of that. They work for a specific publication, but they have to have very strong personal brands to represent the company. So you can do that too. And you don't have to be like a quote unquote influencer, but you can be a representative for the company that you work for and that you really enjoy working for and, and speak on panels and take on press opportunities. And if you want to be that person, I also really recommend just talking to your employer. So whoever your supervisor is say like, I would really love to be included in any press opportunities. I would love to be able to speak on panels, if there's any opportunities there, because there will be. And I think that that's something to definitely express to anyone that's in a power position for you to be able to, yeah, be in the public eye a little bit more. So always think about those little opportunities that you can possibly get because they're out there. You just have to speak up. I'm sure women that are hearing you right now can sense just how confident you are. And I'm sure you have grown into that confidence. I'm going to speak for myself, at least. I haven't always been confident. And I think not all women just are naturally born confident. And sometimes in that moment where we lack confidence, we often don't act upon what we want to do in life because we're too scared of what may happen. Either that or we're too scared it's not going to be as perfect as we envisioned it to be. Is there something in your life that you have, you've been too 
scared to try? Oh my God. Yeah. I have a a book writing opportunity and I just haven't really been super proactive about it. Now I'm starting to pick up some books more and really like put myself in that mind space a little bit, that headspace. I think it's important when you want something to be what you do. I do want it. I just don't feel fully ready for it. But in order to get ready, I just have to put myself in that headspace. So I'm trying to read a little bit more and kind of picture myself as like an author. What would that look like? For sure. That's probably my biggest thing. And there are a lot of examples that I can't think of right now, but it's really something that happens to me often when I'm not just a hundred percent sure of what the vision is. When I have the full vision for something, it's easy. When you don't have a full clear picture, that's when the confidence dwindles. And I think it's okay. And it's normal. We all go through it, but it's also nature's way of telling you this isn't the right time. When the picture is clear, then that's when you really go for it um, because it's become just much more natural to do. So because I'm not like 100%, it doesn't feel natural because I don't see the full picture yet. I'm just not going to do it until I get to that clear picture. It's interesting to me because you said something along the lines of you don't feel ready for it, but yet someone identify you as an author already. It's mind blowing that us as women, sometimes we don't see things for ourselves, or at least we don't see our own potential while other people are like dreaming about that opportunity. Other people have seen things in me that I just didn't. And, And that's where my confidence comes from. I think that's why it's important to surround yourself with the right people that identify those opportunities for you and that can highlight your potential even when you yourself don't see it. Cindy, if you could tell your future self one thing right now, what would that be? Um, my future self, I always hear younger self. I would say keep getting better, go to sleep earlier, get up earlier, work out, just continue to do the things that will keep you healthy and happy, be better to your family. Like that's really where I'm at when it comes to me as a woman, just wanting to get a little better every day. And I'm not going to be perfect every day, but I know that if I try, I don't know, five days out of the week, I do my morning routine the way I want to, like all these little like rituals turn into good habits in the long run. So that's where I'm at. I'm like trying to kind of retroactive fix what I've like all the damage I may have done in the past and just like always wanting to get better so that I'm like I'm strong for my baby I'm healthy for my family and like I have you know a great marriage and hopefully a wonderful life for as long as for as long as the world is intended for me to be here beyond your work how do you want to be remembered I'd be remembered as someone who came a long way who's had the opportunity to go down a not so great path and has really turned her life around and has exceeded expectations, I'd say. So that, and that's even just to me, I don't care what anybody else, that's the woman that I want to look back at and be like, you really did it. I hope that it only gets better. I'm sure lots of hiccups in the future, but very grateful for the way that the universe is where it's led me. Cindy, thank you so much for sharing with us today and for being so open about your journey. This has been wonderful. You asked all the right questions. (laughs) Here are my top takeaways from our conversation. Number one, get obsessed with what you're creating. When you believe in your work or product so much, there's no way it fails because your confidence in it will ultimately drive it forward. Number two, always be on the lookout for what makes you feel really happy. 
and share those moments with your community online. Others see greatness in you simply because you recognize it within yourself. Number three, identify someone to learn from and let them guide you. No matter your circumstances, what you take from any given situation relies on you. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias, mi gente. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. That's so helpful and exciting to us. If you learned something from this episode, share it with a friend. I'm sure they'll enjoy it as well. We drop new episodes every single Monday morning, but you can always find us on Instagram at El ADN Podcast. And before you leave, we want to hear your takeaways from today's guest. Share with us via Instagram stories and don't forget to tag El ADN Podcast and Victoria Leandra for a regram. See you next week. Hasta la próxima, familia.